Rochester Church of Christ is called to live God's gospel, truth, and love with the world so that we all may find life together in God. Our hope is that this message will share that gospel, truth, and love in a way that will bless you, enrich you, and better equip you as a disciple. Go ahead and remain standing for our reading from the Word of God from John chapter 5. The first nine verses, the Bible says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. Heavenly Father, you are... The healer. You have authority over this world, over nature, over demons, over sickness, over sins, over us. And you love us, and you choose us, and you teach us, and you guide us, and you strengthen us, and you heal us, and you save us. Father, we thank you. We could never thank you enough. We ask today that you would speak, Father, for your children are listening and long to be faithful. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Kenny, you asked folks if they had a song deep inside them, and then you you went through some of the songs, and I really appreciated that. Um, You talked about songs of mourning. You talked about songs of thankfulness and joy, and I can relate to all of that. Have you ever had that song of, 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 of wishing that you could change something? And, 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 and I want to be clear, we're not simply talking, I'm, I'm, I, okay, sometimes the things we want to change are little things that are pretty manageable. That's great. I celebrate those as well. I'm not asking you not to celebrate those. But what I'm talking about is if there's something in you that's a big thing, something that's going on in your life or has been going on in your life for a long time, and you know it's holding you back, you know that it's limiting you, you know that it has you frustrated about it, and you you can feel it. 
You ever tried to make a big change in your life? When you try to make a big change in your life, I'll tell you, you will face external opposition. Sometimes there may even be people around you who try to hold you back and keep you from changing. That they don't want to see you grow. And maybe, maybe it's because they've known you a real long time and they knew you back before you wanted to live for Jesus and they liked that you. And so you're saying, I want to change my behavior and they're saying, no, I don't want you to change your behavior. I like your behavior the way you are. Don't, don't leave us. And so maybe they'll even sabotage your efforts at making positive change and growing. Maybe because it reminds them that they have things they need to change, but they're not ready yet. But here's what I've found. Sometimes, sometimes the sabotage is an inside job. Maybe it's fear. I don't know what the future will look like if I make this change. Maybe it's a lack of trust. God, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's that I'm not sure I really want to change. I think I do, but, but man, that's a lot to ask right now. I've got a lot of plates spinning as it is. After all, how do I even really make a big change? How do I overcome things that I've been in for a long time? How do I change my ways when I've been like this for so long? Brothers and sisters, John is extraordinarily selective about what he includes in his gospel. And today I'm thankful that John includes this story. I'm, I'm thankful he didn't leave out what happens at Bethesda. Let's read it again. Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. There was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. All right. So there's a pool at Bethesda just inside something called the Sheep Gate. Now I want to make sure that we are worthy Bible students. And so I want you to know why they called the Sheep Gate the Sheep Gate. And it's because this is where they usually brought the sheep in. Now I know, I know, I know. That was a tough one. The sheep gate's called the sheep gate because it's where the sheep come in the gate. <laughs> Tough times. We're, but we're learning, right? We're teaching the Bible. But if you entered that way by the sheep gate, you would walk into Jerusalem, you would walk into an emergency room. There are sick people everywhere, dying people everywhere. And there was a pool of water they called Bethesda. And around it were five large, and it says porticos, those porches, 
Five large porches with columns all around them. Crippled people, lame people, sick people, all of whom were waiting to get into the water at Bethesda just at the right time. You see, the story was that every so often would move the water around. And if you were the first person to get in after the angel had moved the waters around, then you'd be healed. And so if you're sick and you have a chronic illness or a terminal illness, you might go and hang out there just waiting for that moment when the waters get troubled and you can jump in and be healed. So all of these sick people day after day waiting at the pool just for the opportunity. Saw one man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. 38 years of coming to the same pool, wrestling with the same struggle. And there's, there's something admirable and there's something almost in, incredible and unbelievable about it that, that 38 years wrestling with the same struggle and ain't no better. That, that'll make you feel defeated. 38 years still not better. How, how can you go for 38 years? to the same place that's supposed to be a place of healing and still be wrestling with the same issues and not be healed. Mm. All right. <clears throat> now we're in the middle of a sermon. I'm going to ask it again. <laughs> How can you come to the same place of healing? 38 years. How can you come that long to the same place where you're supposed to be healed and still not be well wrestling with the same thing that you had when you started day one? Ooh. I may have just stopped talking about the pool of Bethesda. I may have just started talking about Bethesda Church of Christ. How can you go to the place of healing over and over and over and not be healed? So Jesus asks him a question. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he'd been there in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, and, and, and any preacher that you've heard talk about this text has probably mentioned this question, how important it is. He asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It's almost as if <clears throat> some people don't want to get well. I mean, there's a sense in which it seems unnecessary. He's crippled. He's lying next to the pool of healing. He's been there 38 years. It almost comes off as offensive. Don't you want to get better? And he's like, man, I've been dragging myself here 38 years to this place, what do you mean do I want to get better? Would I have been doing this for 38 years if I didn't want to get better? 
Well, here, here, here's what I've learned, Grace. I've been in ministry for over 25 years. Praise God. There are a lot of people, the crowd went very mild. <clears throat> but here, 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 the point is not that I've been in ministry a long time. That just means I'm old and haven't quit yet. But honestly, after this long, I found out there's a lot of people who like to hang around the pool but don't want to get healed. 25 years in ministry has taught me there's a lot of folks that like to hang around the pool but are not interested in really getting healed. And they like, they like to read their Bible, but they don't want to do anything differently. They like to spend time with the church, but they don't want to change. They want to listen to a message, and they might even post a verse or two on social media, but they aren't really interested in investing in a serious life change. Some people like to just hang out at the pool. During this last 38 years, it may not only be his legs that have withered. I wonder if his heart, his optimism, and his courage may also have withered. Maybe he's willing to go through the motions every day in the place of healing. In the place of healing, he goes through the motions every day, but he really doesn't want to get better. Why not get healed, though? Like, why wouldn't you want to get healed? I mean, maybe, maybe he's afraid of changing. I've been there. I knew there were some things that needed to change in my life, but I was afraid of change. After all, we settle with what we know. We accept what's in front of us. And what we have isn't great, but at least it's predictable. And we've figured out what to do to get through each day. We've given up trying to change and instead just become satisfied with trying to cope. But better the enemy you know. Or maybe we're unwilling to face reality. I've spent some time here too. This part of the sermon was easy to write because it was just confession. That I can tell myself maybe things will just take care of themselves with more time. And so I can just put it off or deny it. Or maybe I've been ashamed of my condition. That, that we have trouble asking for help because we're embarrassed at how bad we've let things become. And saying it's too late is way easier than owning our problems and acknowledging our need to change. Maybe, maybe I'm afraid of taking responsibility because I know that if I do ask for help, that brings accountability with it. And then if I don't actually get there to being changed, then I'm going to be embarrassed as well. And so I, 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 I'm a little bit gun shy. Because if I ask for help, then I may have to actually do something about it. Because with healing comes action. Look at, look, look at what Jesus says to him. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus gave him three action verbs. Get up, pick up your mat, walk. 
The minute he said, yeah, I want to change, Jesus tells him what, he's, what he needs to do. He gives him three action verbs to change his behavior. And part of turning life around is obedience to the word of God. I love how quickly he obeys in this story. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But before that, Jesus asks him, don't you want to get well? Listen to the man's response in verse 7. Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. The man's response to Jesus, he says, do you want to get well? And the man's response is, I can't. I try, try, but someone else gets there and I can't. It's not that I don't want to. You need to understand it's not that I don't want to. I, I, I just can't. I've also found that when I use the word can't in moments like this, it usually means won't. <laughs> it's usually a flimsy excuse that I give to avoid changing when I say I can't. But in this case, he really can't. He's physically unable. I'm trying. Someone else beats me to it. (laughs) So what's the problem? So here he is. And he's looking at the pool, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's being asked if he wants to be healed. And he can't take his mind off the pool. Every time I try, but someone else gets there before me. All right, Don. I tried, but I'm going to have to try again. We we missed it. He was looking at the pool, and he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? And he can't take his eyes off the pool. Come on now, Kyle. He's at the pool, and here is Jesus. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be changed? And instead of looking at Jesus, he can't stop looking at the pool. You see what's happening? He says, I can't. He's talking to the one who can. But he can't take his eyes off the pool, and so he thinks, I can't. And Jesus is saying, I know. But I don't need a pool. I didn't ask you, can you get to the pool? I asked you, do you want to get well? You know you need help.
And Jesus is asking, do you want to get well? Don't get caught up looking at the things around you that aren't Jesus and saying to him, I can't. Because Jesus has an authority that is greater than whatever it is you're struggling with. I I need you to hear me. It's not that I don't believe that there are not demonic forces. Please don't hear me saying, you believe in demonic force, you believe in darkness, that's crazy. No, I, I believe that the devil is active and present in this world with an army full of demons ready to drag us all down. I believe it. It's that I believe that all of them together are not stronger than my Jesus. Okay, I'm not saying there's not really something going on. What I'm saying is the one who has the real authority is asking, do you want to get well? Don't say I can't. That too many of us are afraid to ask God for help and even more afraid to ask others around us for help. That we perceive needing help as a weakness. But needing help with your children, needing help in your marriage, needing help with an addiction, needing help with a struggle, that's not weakness. Needing help and not being willing to ask for it, that's weakness. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. God may provide help for you through the people around you. I mentioned this before, but I noticed in verses 8 9, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, do you see those words? At once the man picked up his mat and walked. At once he was cured. How, much was, how, how long was the distance between when he was healed and when he obeyed? At once. He, he didn't wait. It was immediately. It was at once. So how about me, Adam? What's the distance? Between healing and obedience, sometimes I got to get better at at once. Well, I would love for that. Man, I could end the story there. It'd be fine. We'd be happy. You'd say, oh, briefer than usual. Still felt good. And I love you all, but that's not the end of the story because that's not where verse 9 ends. Verse 9 says that once he was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. And then it gives you this detail. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Oh, come on. Now here's the deal. If you read your Bible, you know how these stories work. If Jesus is going to heal someone, you know it's going to be the Sabbath. And you know some Pharisees are about to be sailing around. If, and you can mix up the elements. If you got a sick person, some Pharisees, and a Sabbath day, you know who's walking into that room. <laughs> Jesus is coming in ready to do work. 
if you've got Jesus on a Sabbath and some Pharisees nearby, who's he looking for? That nearest sick person. You know, you, I mean, this is the way the story always works. It's Sabbath. Of course it was. Jesus tells him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. So picking up the mat is the work that he gets in trouble for. Look at this. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, you know it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. <laughs> there are some folks out there, just the reality of it, that just seem to be waiting for someone to be healed and have their life transformed only to then tell them they're doing it wrong. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know why they like coming to church so much. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. I, th there's some folks that will be like this, that the minute something good happens in your life, they'll tell you how wrong it was that it happened, that it was on the wrong day. We don't mind that you got healed, but you've been 38 years, you could have gone 38 years and one more day. And that, that, that what God is up to, they're just wet blankets about it. He said, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And, you know, I'm listening to him right now because he made me well. It turns out he may have a little more authority than, than you do. Well, they don't like that answer. So they asked him, okay, who is this fellow that told you to pick up your mat and walk? Who told you to do the wrong thing? Get this, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. He's, he's in the temple. He's been healed and has no clue who it was that healed him. like the sermon writes itself. <laughs> He's in the temple, has been healed, and still doesn't know who healed him. Preacher, there's no way we have Christians who could possibly be in the temple, have been healed, and still have no clue who it was that healed them. Oh, man, Bethesda Church of Christ, amen? <laughs> I'm, I win here my whole life, man. This story sounds too familiar to me. Can you imagine being in the place of worship? Singing. Praying. Reading. Sharing communion. Even giving. And still not be sure who it was that healed you. So Jesus shows up and tells him who it was that made him well. Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, hey, you're well again. And the guy's like, you. And he's like, yeah, it's me. I heard you didn't know who did this. I figured I'd show myself to you again. And then he hits him with this last bit. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Which sounds kind of like a mob threat, <clears throat> if I'm being honest. It's, it sounds like a threat. 
Kenny, you can go ahead and bring your team up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the cue this week. That's the cue this week. Jesus follows up with what's a not-so-veiled threat, I guess. And, 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 and it was going so well, and we're like, why Jesus? Why would you come and tell him this? Why would you, why would you hit him with, you better not mess up again or else something worse will happen. I hate to have something worse happen to you, right? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus isn't threatening him. Jesus is helping him. Because he was still wondering who to listen to. He was still wondering who to trust. He, had, he was in the temple. He had been healed. But he was still wondering, who should I listen to? Who should I obey? Who's actually the one in charge? Who has the authority? Jesus shows up and he says, I want to introduce myself to you again because I need you to know which one of us you need to listen to. I need you to know who has the authority to make you well and who does not. Trust Jesus' voice more than all the other voices. See, this is the thing about Jesus' authority. Jesus' authority is not simply rooted in power. Jesus' authority is rooted in love. And he says there's some people who may have control and may have some semblance of power, but what they lack is love for you, and I don't lack in that department. And so we see the authority of love. Jesus is telling you, don't listen to the other voices. It is never too late to ask for help. And verse 15 is, while the men went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Nark. <laughs> I read that and I'm like, why are you going to tell mom? We had a good thing going here. Listen, watch, watch, watch that. I got to go, but watch this. He doesn't go and tell them that it was Jesus because he's a narc. He goes and tells them it was Jesus because he's a witness. Because once you know who changed you, who healed you, who made you well, you can't help but tell people. And folks, I'm telling you today that God is here troubling the waters. And I'm here telling you that you need to be well. And if you want to be well, we can get you in the water. The water is ready. And Jesus has authority to heal you today. And you, you'll leave here ready to tell anyone and everyone because you'll be a witness. You'll have witnessed the miracle that what you may have tried for 38 years or even longer to change about you, God can change because God has that kind of authority. And so, I, I, the water's ready. It's been stirred. And Christ is here calling you.
Are you willing to trust him and be healed? Let's stand up. Let's sing together. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message has been a blessing to those listening. I pray that you would continue to work in our lives in ways that are evident and easily seen. Most of all, I pray thank you for loving us and choosing us. We don't deserve it, but you are so good and so faithful and so true. We thank you for your spirit and your son. May we grow in them to your glory, Father. In Christ's holy name, amen.